Check your mugs, the prints are back, bitches. Welcome to season two of Bitch Prints. I miss you guys. Thank you for being patient as I handled my own mental health in quarantine and just could not add to the productivity levels between working all day, five days a week, for pretty much no reward besides your standard paycheck because couldn't go anywhere. We spent our summer in Arizona pretty much watching TV when it was too hot or getting in the pool with some truly and gummies. You know what kind. So it wasn't a bad season, but it wasn't a great one either. But we are back. It is fall, my favorite freaking season of the year for the spookiness, the feeling, the atmosphere. It's still pretty hot out here in Arizona, but we have decorated our house with cobwebs and all the spooky goodies, so it pretty much feels like fall inside, especially at night when it cools down outside and the house gets colder. You still get that crisp feeling. I can still light all the Bath & Body Works candles I want. Leaves is my favorite for anyone who wants to go shopping, but definitely still kind of feels like summer out, so fall colors not so much cardigan or sweater weather yet over here. With fall comes a lot of big things. Halloween, the season of the witch, my birthday, November 5th, and of course, election season. So we're not going to get too political on this podcast, but we always are going to address human rights and the safety of minority groups because we all deserve to live an equal life and everyone around us deserves equality from fair wages to marriage, etc., etc. I think it's probably obvious who I'm voting for. Not going to throw it out there, but we have had some really awesome holidays this October as well outside of Halloween coming up. Previously, we have gotten to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, which was October 12th. I am not calling it by its former name. There was National Coming Out Day on October 11th. And for those of you who think Pride Month is a long enough month celebration, first of all, the rainbow flag is always flying. And second of all, it is a huge celebration to be able to celebrate when you actually came out. You know, it is a very specific moment in time that goes beyond pride and needs to be recognized, especially if you don't maybe remember the exact day you came out. It's a really great holiday to be able to celebrate that you did at one point. It's a good anniversary. There's, you know, so many different kinds of holidays. How many different New Year's do we have? We have the American New Year's. The Jewish tradition has its own New Year's, Rosh Hashanah, which was celebrated not too long ago either. We've got Chinese New Year. We've got, there's so many different types of New Year's. And to me, National Coming Out Day is kind of like the gay New Year. So even though I'm straight cis, I have so many amazing LGBTQ friends, gay, queer, bi, transgender, what have you. And so I just want to throw that out there. And living in Arizona, Indigenous Peoples Day is really important for me to celebrate because I do feel like living in this area, I definitely value, get value from that culture, especially. I mean, we all do because our ancestors raped and pillaged and took over this land. So we all value off of this stolen land. But I'm talking even more in terms of the land and the resources and the culture 
there's still a lot of really great Indian reserves out here. Not enough, and they're not supported enough. But there's so much culture and artwork out here in Arizona, so I feel like it would be wrong of me to not especially celebrate that living in the wild, wild west. But with that, we are going to talk about how to be an ally in the workplace. So this goes along with the holidays we've been celebrating this year, whether it is Rosh Hashanah or National Coming Out Day or Indigenous Peoples Day or just the upcoming election. Eek! It is really important to take a look at all the minorities around you and make sure that you are being an ally in the workplace. It's been a tough year, guys. 2020 has been exhausting, and we thought that that was just going to be a month of quarantine, and it's obviously spiraled into so much more, and I think quarantine has maybe, of course, gifted us a lot of stress and assessing our mental health, and I'm definitely not trying to show up with toxic positivity here because it's been fucking hard. But part of the reason why it's been hard is because being alone with ourselves and being quarantined has allowed us to recognize more, especially people who maybe recognized it but didn't really understand the severity of racial inequality, of police brutality, of your own mental health. We are spending more time with ourselves and our brains. And why, while it's a negative reason, and that also means there's so many negative things around us, such as not being able to travel to see friends and family, that time has created positive outcomes and positive protests, and hopefully for you and your personal life, positive self-awareness and maybe some therapy. I know my husband and I have definitely upped our therapy, meaning we've been doing couples therapy, and my husband actually started going to therapy on his own for the first time, which is really awesome. I'm more of the depression side. He's more of the anxious side. And I've been going to therapy on and off since I was 16. But it's been really nice to see, even after a couple sessions, the positivity coming from him, just getting tools to learn how to manage anxiety. I'm pretty sure everyone has some level of anxiety or depression before all of this. So now it's especially important. And I think it's just been really exciting for me to see someone who's, you know, already in their 30s start this process. And so it's never too early to start learning yourself and start asking for help to just get tools. We can't do it all ourselves. And even if you are religious, which we are not, I still think, you know, you need therapy. There's only so much that you can give to God. You need a professional like you would go to a doctor for your physical health. You need a professional, as I've said on our previous episodes in season one, to help you give you the tools to actually be mentally healthy. doesn't have to be mental illness. You can be mentally healthy. So it's been an interesting journey for us, but I know a lot of us are still sitting here wondering, okay, I don't feel comfortable maybe going to protests if you aren't comfortable going out there even with a mask and you want to do something, but how do we apply being an ally whether it's for Black Lives Matter or for National Coming Out Day, how do I be an ally in the workplace? Because it's not enough to say, oh, I have black friends, oh, black colleagues, oh, I've got a black cousin. I don't know who your people are married to, but (laughs) who your family's married to. It's not enough. You have to actually be an ally. 
and really a great place to start that as a career-driven woman is in the workplace. If you don't have a work environment where you actually clock into an office all the time, if you're more of a creative and you have a studio, you can start becoming an ally more with your creative works. Put some of that anger and hurt and education you've been gaining through this into your artwork so that it can be released into the world and make a difference. The smallest thing makes a difference, even one piece. But we're going to focus a little bit here on if you actually have a workplace, whether you're remote or you still go in with a mask. And this will definitely bleed into things that you can just do in your own time as well and in your life. So it will bleed into things that how you can be an ally in your life in general more holistically. But we're going to focus on that workplace because it's a place that I feel like the millennials have really recognized the toxicity in and that we haven't caught up with workplace culture as quickly as technology has grown. And so there's still so many old ideals and we've really been working to make a work-life balance. And that's not saying working less at all. That's saying working probably more, but working in a way that allows you to also live your life. I mean, most people are in the office 40 to 60 hours a week. And so we need those to sometimes be flexible or be remote, et cetera. And we have really done well within the latest generations to try and make the workplace where we spend so much of our damn time a more positive place, a more healthy place mentally and physically if you're a woman. Hashtag sexual assault, me too. But what we really need to focus on now is how we can comfortably be an ally in the workplace for minorities, especially the black community, but not discluding any other minorities, including the LGBTQ community. So here's the thing. The first and foremost thing that you need to recognize when you want to be an ally is that you're always going to need to work on being an ally. It's no use sitting there saying, oh, well, I'm an ally. No, I totally am. I have I have gay friends. I'm an ally. Or I'm not racist. I have black friends. Or I love the black community. I love black culture. I'm not racist at all. I've never done cornrows in my hair. I don't appropriate culture. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. Stop saying I'm not or I am. Don't assume. Don't sit there assuming that you've done enough. Because guess what? You haven't done enough. None of us have. And this isn't me saying this to stress you out or to put a heavy weight on your shoulders. Not at all. It's not me sitting here reprimanding you with a waving finger. It's just saying recognize it. Just recognize it. And don't assume that you are not racist or you are an ally. Just recognize that you need to always be working. And that doesn't mean every day. No one does everything every single day of their life. You can't advocate for things and fight the fight every single day, even though so many people do feel like they have to based on the color of their skin or their sexual orientation. But it's not saying you have to do this every day or you fail or we hate you. No. It's just saying recognize that it's always a work in progress and it's always going to be a work in progress so that it naturally just filters into your life. Whether it's, oh, hey, I haven't read a book by a black author in a while or, hey, I really haven't done anything to support my 
LGBTQ community lately? Where can I maybe lend a hand or volunteer? Things like that. It's just peppering it into your life. So just know that we are always going to need to be working on it and helping out our fellow friends and family and minorities. Because yeah, the problem with minorities is there are so freaking many, but they're so diverse. And so even though there's so many and they're so beautiful, they get lost. They get completely lost and we need to help them not get lost or appropriated or hurt or damaged. And so that really leads into point two, and that is to recognize your damn privilege. Recognize it. Raise your hand in the air. Again, it's not a scolding. It's not saying, you, you know, to older generations, you didn't have black friends growing up or anything like that. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, hey, even though I stood beside you, I, my grass was definitely greener. We were standing next to each other at points in our life, but over the course of our life, my grass was naturally just greener. And you have to recognize that privilege. I am Jewish, so I am part of a minority. So a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests have hit me hard because we kind of always say, you know, if they start, if people start hating on one minority, they start hating on all of them. And in reality, if you wanted to list your top five, Black, Muslim, LGBTQ, and Jewish are definitely the top four. (laughs) Uh, Jewish people are, I mean, that's kind of our thing, right? (laughs) Anti-Semitism always reigns free. We're one of the most hated religious groups. It's kind of something that's part of our heritage, and we work hard to stand above it. Um, That's why Passover really even is celebrated so much is because it really recognizes that, not just that passing over and commemorating that moment, but of recognizing those struggles and how they've continued and we escaped slavery from Egypt. And so even though I've never been a slave in the country I live in and I cannot even imagine what that must feel like, I do have family members that were part they were in the Holocaust. I have family that escaped. I have family that did not escape. They were in concentration camps. Luckily, none of them died in the camps, but one of them did die shortly after. I have family members that had to leave their home country and dismiss Germany as their home country because of the horrible things that they saw and how they were treated. So I've heard accounts of genocide. I've heard accounts of the hate. I have family members still alive that witnessed it. And yet I still don't understand what it's like to have been a slave in the country I live in, to wear it on my skin. I don't have a Jewish star tied, freaking sewn into my clothes. Most of the time people don't even know I'm Jewish at all unless I say it. Uh, They kind of joke, people say now, how do you know if someone's Jewish? Because they tell you. (laughs) And it's funny because we tell you, we do, because we're proud of it. But you also can't tell unless we tell you. So it's that, you know, being anonymous. We have that anonymity. And a lot of our friends and family that are LGBTQ or black or brown, they don't have that. And people just face value it before they even get to know someone. And that is called racism and hate. So the first thing is, is to recognize your privilege. And even as a Jewish woman, I recognize mine. I am white. I am straight. I am insanely privileged. 
I was born into an upper middle class family and I have privilege. My journey and my struggles have not been the same And that's not discounting my struggles. I had a lot of struggles with mental health in my family and paternal issues. But that is something that can happen in your life. And yes, you are normally born with some of your mental health, you know, issues or disabilities or, but it's still a face value thing of of recognizing racism and where the equality does not lie and the person in my house that had the mental health issues they had all the equality in the world so it's recognizing that privilege I had hardships in my life but it was not because of the color of my skin I really haven't seen hardships personally from being Jewish And most of the time when I tell people I'm Jewish, they just think it's super cool and want me to tell them about it. And I'm like, I don't, I I go to temple, leave me alone. (laughs) And I'm, I'm straight. So I have seen struggles, but I have not actually gone through them. And I, the best thing I could do was learn from my friends and family, which we'll talk about later on. So it's a blessing to be privileged. It's not a curse. It's not a curse So when people say, hey, recognize your privilege, they're not cursing you like a witch. They're saying it's a blessing. So just recognize that blessing. Please just acknowledge it because unless we acknowledge it, then we can't be selfless and be there for the less fortunate. It's just like recognizing, hey, I wasn't as poor as someone. I'm going to participate in a food drive. It's the same idea. You have to take out the selfishness. It's not saying you haven't had any struggles. It's saying you haven't had these struggles and you have had systemic privilege. So recognize it so that we can be there for the less fortunate. I've recognized it even more so now. I have done so much learning. I've always listened growing up. I've had friends that were gay since I was doing community theater at like age 13. I was introduced to that early and introduced to their pains early and we were the same age and what they were going through I could recognize wasn't the same struggles as me we all had our little teeny bopper angst hormones but there were things that they were going through that were just so much more adult and hurtful than anything I was going through and I recognized that through them at an early age and I recognized it from that community before I honestly had recognized it from a black or brown community So listening is huge. Listen to your coworkers. If you have coworkers or work wives or work husbands, what have you, that have ever come to you and said that some kind of sexual harassment type comment or a racial slur or an anti-Semitic comment or something extremely offensive and homophobic was said to them or some off-putting comment was said to them and chances are they're afraid to even go to HR about it, listen to them believe them. I think that is the biggest thing surrounding these issues is believing our inner circle. And if your inner circle might not include people at your work that are minorities, then you need to try to spend some time with some different departments and get to know people within your own company so that you can hear these things and really hear what's happening. But if someone comes to you, no matter what their sex 
race, religion, gender, what have you are, and they say, hey, this made me uncomfortable. I heard someone say this to me or this happened to me in a meeting or over a call, then you need to listen and believe them. And that is step one, is to immediately meet people with belief. If someone is vulnerable enough, especially at work in a professional environment, to come up to you and let you know that something was said and it made them uncomfortable, The first step is just to always naturally believe them and listen to what happened. And when you listen to them, then you'll start understanding what it really is like to be in a workplace for someone in a minority and that it is different. There are different experiences in the workplace if you're not a white male cis, like it's true. And you're only going to recognize that if you just keep your ears open and make sure your blinders aren't on. I'm not saying that you're going to say anything offensive, but if you do and someone is vulnerable enough to come up to you and say, hey, this really bothered me, don't get defensive. It's amazing when people are coming up to actually communicate. They're not trying to attack you. They were kind of feeling attacked and they are professionally addressing that with you instead of just going to HR and trying to get you in trouble or something. So take it as a move of respect that they're that they're coming to you first and actually listen to their plight and say, hey, you know, I never thought of it that way. Maybe you didn't mean it that way. Don't unvalidate them, but say, I, you know, apologize and explain that that's not what you meant, but you realize that that is what came across. A lot of times things get tricky because people automatically get defensive because it's kind of like, you know, when someone cheats, right? And it often ends up that the cheater is the one that's more jealous. You start to get defensive when you accidentally maybe attacked someone with your words and then you feel attacked, but you are not being attacked. You just got to be responsible for your actions. And it's really hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's what's necessary and what we need to start practicing for better relationships, especially better relationships outside our own little circles. And we need to expand those and expand our circles. So if someone comes to you at your work, listen to them, respect them, realize that if they come to you that they do respect you, whether it's about something you said or someone else said. You need to listen to the people around you. It goes back to always working and recognizing your privilege. Don't assume you know. You don't know. You need to listen and you need to keep listening. Change happens, but it happens very slowly in these cases. And you need to still listen because all of these things that were honestly discussed in the 60s are still relevant. And you need to listen to other people's stories. One of my favorite quotes, I forget who it's by, is that a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And so you need to be wise to be selfless and to be there and to be an ally and listen to the mistakes that your ancestors have made so that we can build a better world. And so listen to the voices that have been hurt by those mistakes so that we can build a better world and never cease to listen. I also want to point out that, like I said, white and straight woman, I am giving you this how to be an ally in the workplace as part of my Bitch Prince podcast that really tries to identify 
how to perform self-care on yourself and in your life when you're a hardworking, career-driven woman and how to leave your mark while still taking care of yourself in this world. But while the topic applies to my subject matter, I am not the subject matter expert on this topic. (laughs) What is that? A rhombus is not a square, but a square is a rhombus. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Listen to this podcast to maybe get yourself started, dip your toes in the water if you're a white cis female like myself. Maybe, you know, you've had some experience of the pains of being a female in the workplace, of course, but you still don't really know what it's like to be discriminated against outside of that because there it is different. For every minority, it's different. And we have to come together and recognize that We are in our differences, we are the same, and we have to help each other. But don't just listen to me. Listen to the actual voices tell their own story. So take this episode as dipping your toes in the water and then go out and reach out for other voices, for actual LGBTQ voices, for actual black voices, so that you can learn truly from the experts, from the firsthand accounts, what it's like. Because I'm regurgitating. I'm just regurgitating my own knowledge and what I have learned in quarantine. I am not the expert on this. And in reality, the last thing we need to listen to about racism is from a white person. (laughs) So you need to go out and stop listening to white people. But don't stop listening to this episode. You know, support everyone, of course. I'm not saying don't support people that you love or stop listening to things that you love. I hope you love me. But if you really want to grow and you really want to be an ally, you have to actually listen to the real voices tell their story and not hear second or third hand regurgitated accounts. Which leads into educate yourself. That's part of the reason why we're always working is that one of the joys that I find in growing older and in life and in being a human, which I think when people get older, they lose and I hope I never lose, is that you never stop learning. You never get too old and magically know everything. You absolutely never stop learning. So that's why you always have to keep working because you have to continue to educate yourself. You need to learn about the past. You need to learn that it was just the 60s that we still had segregation and rules against interracial marriage and voting. I mean, it's insanity. That wasn't that long ago, you guys. flipping mad men. (laughs) Like, put this into perspective. And so you need to learn what hasn't changed. And then you need to learn what is changing, what laws are being put into place so that you can be a better ally and advocate and make sure the right change in your future happens. And then educate yourself for learning to be an advocate, but, but for fun. Learn about a different culture. Listen to other people's stories. I don't understand how we aren't bored of white people stories, especially all the stupid coming of age white boy stories that we grew up on, like Where the Red Fern Grows. I realize it's great literature, but all we learned growing up was stories on white boys. I didn't even read Jane Eyre until I was an adult. That wasn't even part of my curriculum, and that was at least a white woman. (laughs) And so we need to look at our education, see where it was flawed, and educate ourselves and spend time in our day, maybe not every day, 
educating ourselves a little bit more. So take your lunch hour at work. I know a lot of people work through lunch and that's fine, but I also know a lot of people who work through lunch scroll secretly throughout the day. So instead of looking at Instagram again, go find a TED talk and on your lunch break, if you do take an hour and you like to read or you're looking for something to fill up that hour, pick up a different book instead of a book that is maybe pertaining to your job or a book that is purely for pleasure. Find a story that interests you that actually gives you perspective on race and racism in our country or a biography from a fascinating person from the LGBTQ community. I promise there's plenty. Try to pick up different material in these avenues like books that in, in these mediums that you're already reading. Fit it into your normal habits. Use your lunch break at work as that free time to learn about a new culture or educate yourself about certain laws that are being voted on or being put in place soon. That's the time where you can really spend with yourself actually looking at the world from a worldly perspective, not just from your circle, not just from your nation, not just from your perspective, from everyone's perspective. So utilize that hour to find a podcast or something that you trust that automatically is going to kind of fill you in quickly. You've got an hour. You've got time in your workday that you're going to take breaks. You don't have to use that time to learn something new about your job if you don't want to. You can use that time to still be recreational and actually learn something about what is happening in this world from an equality standpoint. So utilize your work hours in your day that you do have free when you do get to take breaks to actually educate yourself and then it'll just fit within your day and you will feel both fulfilled and more educated but also it is going to be interesting material. It's not the same as trying to learn a skill or something like that or take a little online class in between your regular work, it will actually be a little bit more entertaining and soul-fulfilling. Pick up those books. Listen to TED Talks by people outside of our religion and race and ethnicity. And even maybe, you know, of course, different kinds of beliefs. Listen to things outside you're not a heathen if you're a Christian and you want to listen to different religious things. You are educating yourself. It's all education because guess what? We all exist. And no one's no one existing is wrong. If you are not hurting other people, if you are not actively hurting someone, your existence is not wrong just because you believe something different. Your skin looks different. You love someone different. Love is love. All races are humans and no religion is 100% right. I know there are religions that think there are. Of course, I'm Jewish. Jewish people are the chosen people, right? Hey, hey. But in reality, we, we can believe what we want, but we have to recognize that it's all about a higher power and the human need for a higher power and pretty much all religions believe in some kind of God. So who's to say one got God right? I'm maybe going off on a tangent. But the point is, is that if you want to think your ways are right, fine. But if you want to think other people's ways are wrong, no, your ways are right for you. If you are doing the right thing, they are right. 
But that doesn't mean that other people's ways are wrong. So you need to learn about other cultures and other religions. And I know from my mom, who is Jewish and converted to Christianity as well, she had a really great time connecting Judaism and Christianity, going to the Vatican, seeing all these statues that were actually of Jewish men. They were never Christians. They were Jewish men. They died Jewish men. And so it's very interesting to learn about other religions as well because they actually can connect with your own and really bring about history you might have not realized. So you need to educate yourself so that you can better know your own beliefs and better know the whole world because we are all connected in some way. And when you isolate yourself in your own race or religion or culture, not only are you missing out on so much history, but you're missing out on connections, on connections you probably do have with another race or religion or belief, on connections that you do have with love and with other cultures that you are just completely missing out on. And then of course, when we get to into certain religions or beliefs or cultures that is where you know of course we can lead to cult but we're not going cult level at this point yet we're just gonna say that it can lead to being blind to other people in this world because you start thinking that not just that you're right or that something's right for you but that everyone else is wrong and that's simply not true and when we start doing that we isolate ourselves and we become hateful and hurtful to others and we need to educate ourselves. We got to fill ourselves with all the wonderful things that are in this world. Because if you are religious, then God did create everyone. And God isn't going to wear a American flag t-shirt any more than he's going to wear an I love Rome t-shirt. Saw that in a tweet, giving credit to whoever tweeted that. But it's true. Medieval times and beyond, there were only European countries fighting over land for in the name of God before America even existed. So it's just, you need to recognize where religion bleeds into all cultures and all countries and realize where different skin tones blend in because Jesus was Jewish and he was not white, folks. Not white. And you need to educate yourself because that is going to make you a better human being. That is going to make your life more fulfilling and interesting. That is going to make the world a better place. For myself, I've tried to pick up a lot more books, not only by black authors and black prose and poetry, but also books to legitimately educate myself on stories and culture and history, watching documentaries on Malcolm X, even if I don't believe everything, knowing what the heck it actually was and what happened and what he believed in and his assassination, knowing these things. We need to learn and know and open ourselves up to knowledge, folks. Knowledge is power. I know in America, money is power, but in the world and in love and in culture and in happiness, knowledge is power. I've picked up a lot of books that are really saying how to not be racist. This is how you can actively help. And then of course, picking up those books that tell the stories of different races and religions from their own accounts. Trying to watch more of those movies that I was never introduced to, especially earlier ones when I was too young to watch that I would have never heard of if I, searched, if I didn't search because I didn't come from a family that 
maybe would have watched that movie. I think I, what was the one I just watched? Blue Velvet. So fascinating. And that's something I honestly wouldn't have picked up if I didn't look into it and do the research. You've got to continue to educate yourself and then it'll not only make you a better person, but it's exciting. It brings color to your life. There's so much beauty and stories in this world and not educating yourself is just a waste of your beautiful brain and a waste of all this world has to offer. And it's painful for the earth and for the community because we're all a community. So when you educate yourself, that goes back to listening. You're listening to those minorities. You're hearing their opinion. You can't just sit there and make an opinion on a minority without listening to their struggles. And even then, sometimes you can't make an opinion because you really, you'll, you'll never walk in their shoes. It's the same thing of how there shouldn't be policies against women bo- women's bodies and men shouldn't be making decisions about women's bodies. You don't know what it's like to be a woman and, and I don't know what it's like to be black. And even in the, at the end of the day, I can educate myself and read and watch and consume and be so knowledgeable, but I still haven't walked in those shoes and lived that life. I will still always need to hear the opinion from the actual mouth of the person that went through it and listen to the minorities that actually went through it and never stop listening. As a Jewish woman, there are still so many things I don't know about my own religion because I'm not super religious. I made homemade challah for the first time this year for Rosh Hashanah. Like, it's just, you never stop learning. And so to sit and think I'm done educating myself or I've educated myself enough and I should be able to voice an opinion against them is not true. If you can't voice an opinion that is going to support someone living a better life and all you want to do is cut them down, you need to listen more and you need to listen straight from the mouth of who is actually going through it. When you're in the workplace, how do we really start asking these questions and taking all that we've learned and applying it though? How do we bring that to the workplace in a way that makes us comfortable? Because Of course, part of me is like, shake the system. Everyone is uncomfortable and these minorities are in pain. So stop worrying about your comfortability. No, you can't. In in reality, if we want this to last, just like anything else, we have to still feel comfortable. And some people are fine with coming out of their comfort zone and hell yeah, good for them. But if you aren't, I'm also here to say that's okay. Because if you work too much within your comfortability bounds and boundaries, of course, change isn't going to happen. But if you go too far outside it, you will get burnt out. You will will get snubbed and you will actually maybe stop advocating and stop being an ally. So I always say with anything, take maybe not baby steps, but just start somewhere. Just start and do as much as you can so you don't stop. It's about consistency and it's about the long haul. So the slowest sometimes wins the race, tortoise in the hair. Some people are gonna run fast and good for them and I envy their passion. But if you need to be the tortoise, we need the tortoise because that's what's gonna keep this movement lasting. So when the torch is kind of dimming, that we still have the tortoises running along at their pace to keep the movements going. 
So when you start asking questions in your workplace and trying to be an ally, it's okay if that starts off slow. When you want to start asking questions in the workplace, go to your mentor or your boss or someone that you feel comfortable with and can kind of, you know, shoot their shit with and have that comfortability level where you can have certain conversations and you know they won't hold it against you and your career. Start asking those questions. Go to HR and start asking those questions. Because HR, I know a lot of us, it's supposed to be a safe place, and I know a lot of us have had experiences where it's not, but there's nothing that's putting you in danger by going to HR and asking about certain policies or asking to see if there is documentation on policies about racial equality, pay equality, sexual harassment. Start asking these questions and learning what your company really is about. It's 100% safe to go to HR and ask for those materials. You have every single right to do so, and those materials should exist already. So ask for them. And then if you can find a confidant that you can start talking to about, you know, maybe things you've seen that aren't so equal, whether it be for women or for minorities and people of color or LGBTQ people in your office, find someone that you can start talking to that about. So if you see these inequalities happening, you can raise it to an actual human being who can take action. And that really leads into to not lose your energy. If we're the tortoise, we're not going to lose our energy. Plenty of people have been fighting for decades, fighting for decades just to be equal, not to get something magical or special, just to be treated as a human being, as a white male is and to be treated as an equal and have the same rights in how much they're paid or who the law recognizes that they can love and receive benefits so that you know they can see their loved one in the hospital (laughs) and things like that basic human rights even recently for women i saw you know stories on abortion that the issue is is that most late-term abortions aren't women who don't want their baby. I've I've recently found out, and my mom confirmed this because she works for a surgery center, if if something happens to your baby and they have to do an emergency C-section or something like that to get the baby out, it's written on your medical uh, files or paperwork. It's written as an abortion. And my mom has said a lot of women have come out of these situations at her own surgery center an absolute pain and shock and horror because they never came in for an abortion. They had complications and the baby had to come out and it's written as an abortion and it broke their heart because that's not something that they do believe in, but that's just the medical term for it. And so that's something that else that, you know, that learning and educating that certain things, what they actually mean on paper and how that affects other people, especially people that aren't you. If you are not a woman, looking into that and recognizing a woman that wants to have her baby so badly but has to have emergency c-section or else she and the baby will die or there's complications and the baby has to be removed and she's absolutely heartbroken not only is that considered an abortion and so she needs to be able to have that so she doesn't die but she's also heartbroken she didn't want an abortion and so we've got to stop shaming people as well with these terms and educate ourselves on what the laws and regulations and paperwork really say. So 
when you ask your questions to HR, find these documents about pay equality, about sexual harassment, so you know the right terms and can bring it up correctly to your confidant. And this is another great way that you don't have to lose your energy. If you've been fighting this for decades, I'm sure that you are ready for people to stand up and help you out more. And it is time. But I also say to people that want to help, I I don't want you to get burnt out because I want this to continue. And we look at people that have been fighting these inequalities for decades, and there hasn't even been a year of these more mainstream Black Lives Matter protests. Because I know that the organization has, of course, been around longer, but Black Lives Matter didn't really receive the attention and have these nationwide huge protests until the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And so it hasn't even been a year. And so people really that have been doing this for decades, I'm sure get frustrated when others say, oh, I'm burnt out, but we gotta meet each other in the middle so that we can keep these movements going forward. So do what you can to not lose your energy, whether you're a minority or not, so that we can keep the movements going. And a great way to not lose your energy is to take action how you can and how you feel comfortable. So after you've talked to HR, after you found your confidant, see how you can take action in the workplace, within it and without and outside of it. So you might not feel comfortable talking to your coworkers and friendly coworkers even that might be a minority. Maybe you feel uncomfortable because you don't want to put them in a weird place at work at the cubicle if they're not comfortable. A lot of this is all about boundaries and sometimes things are not the greatest to share in the workplace. And someone in the workplace might be like, yes, I would love to tell you how being black has affected my career. But some people might be like, no, I I just want to get through the work day. I I don't want attention drawn to me. And that's okay too. So whether you're the minority in the situation or whether you're not, but you're trying to take action, whatever you're comfortable with is okay. And you've got to find a way to take action how you can and in a way that is not too much out of your comfort zone that you feel more miserable. Of course, with your workplace, you can try to do fundraisers. If you're a creative, especially if you do a podcast, I know one of my fellow podcast friends, friends of the pod, which yes, who I do some creative directing for, which yes, was doing a uh, fundraiser for, I think it's called Black Girls Code, You can do that if you're in the creative space. Have some kind of fundraiser to take action. Raise money. If you are part of a company where you manage social media, talk to the marketing team and say, hey, we need to promote some more equality messaging about our equality in the workplace. Take your culture and say, hey, we need to promote that we have equality. And so not only are you going to be promoting on social more diverse images, more equal paying jobs. But then if that doesn't exist in your culture, that's going to come to light real quick. (laughs) So by saying, hey, we need to promote that we want equality, we want diversity, that will also show the flaws in your company of what isn't truly equal, what isn't truly diverse. And so then not only will your initiative look completely positive and you are asking to move your company forward, 
but then it also kills two birds with one stone and you get to safely be able to identify where there are cracks in the pavement in the equality in your company while still looking like a damn good productive employee. You can also suggest if you have volunteer days or volunteer organizations that your company does. I know that we do something at my company for a group that helps out things like nursing homes and stuff like that. Find places that you can say, hey, let's volunteer at this place next year or start a volunteer group that hasn't been started yet at your company. Talk to your internal communications or HR or whoever runs your volunteer programs at your company or even just schedule one in general. Say, hey, I've got this cool volunteer group I want to support that supports black lives or supports the indigenous community or LGBTQ rights and say, I would really like to volunteer for this. Hey, boss, can I ask people at my workplace if they want to volunteer as well? I want to reach out and get as many people to join in as possible. So it could be an outside of work thing that you ask to bring into the office and see if your fellow employees will want to be part of it. And if you got a lunch break, go outside and protest if you live in the city. You can put on your mask if you're going to go grab some lunch anyway. Put on your mask, grab some lunch and go protest for, you know, 45 minutes or so. But there really are so many ways that you can take action while still feeling safe in your workplace and feeling comfortable and feeling like, well, that your career's not going to be in jeopardy like so many minorities' careers are in jeopardy just by existing. And so even though we recognize our privilege, I still understand and validate that you don't want to step out of your comfort zone, but there's so many ways where you can maintain your boundaries and still take action for equality. Promote it with, with within your company. Expose where there isn't equality or justice within your company in a po- way that looks positive on you to your company. Finding places to volunteer, finding places to donate money to. If you don't want to spend time, spend some money. If you don't want to spend money, spend some time. That's kind of my rule when it comes to to these types of things. And I think that really applies to the workplace as well. A big thing with the workplace though is how to have those tough conversations. So we've talked about how we don't have to have the tough conversations and still make a difference, but how do we have the tough conversations? The simple answer is speak up when you see it. There are plenty of ways, as we just discussed, to volunteer, to raise money, to expose inequality, to promote it, and, or sorry, to expose inequality and then promote equality and support these communities. But when we want to have the tough conversations, I'm not saying you have to bring it up from scratch. Bringing up the tough conversations in the workplace or outside of the workplace is all about when you see it or hear it saying something. When something like this happens to you, a blatant inequality, such as a rude remark, a racist comment, a sexist comment, most of the time, and from my own experience with sexism, you freeze. When you're the actual person who's being attacked, you actually freeze up because you're kind of thinking, whoa, did they just say that? Did that just come out of their mouth? And especially, did I just hear that in my own workplace? At my directed at me, it's it's shocking, and you literally are in shock when someone says that kind of 
comment to you and directs racism or sexism at you or homophobic or anti-Semitic, any of these kinds of comments or evil attacks or slurs, when those come at you, most of the time people freeze because they don't know how to respond, especially in the workplace where you're trying to be professional. And that is what hurts the workplace the most. Is And that's why these things have been able to carry on so much in this type of environment in the workplace. Because when it happens, you're in shock and you and you don't even know how to respond professionally and you can't even believe that it happened in this professional space. So the best way to start off with the tough conversations is to support the people who are getting attacked this way. When you hear a sexist comment, a homophobic, anti-Semitic, racist attack, comment, slur, when you hear it and you're in the room for it, speak up because the person it's being directed at is probably going to feel shame or be too just in shock and upset to even have a good response. And so you need to be there as an ally to stand up and just say something as simple as, well, that's inappropriate. If you want to, you know, tee it off as sort of a snarky joke, fine, but say something. That's the best way to be an ally in the workplace is to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves and to be the person in the room who says, hey, I'm the majority and I heard that and that is not okay and I'm going to stick up for the person who should have equal rights but clearly does not based on the comment you just said. Speak up and be an ally. And the bottom line is, folks, don't expect praise but don't put yourself down either. People who have been passionate about inequality and have been fighting for justice haven't been doing this for two seconds. It's been happening for decades upon decades upon decades. And if you want to count slavery, and as I do want to count that, centuries, folks, centuries. This doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to be an overnight majority success. We're not Superman. And so the worst way to be an ally is to start expecting praise. You're not going to get praise. You don't deserve praise. This is the minimal amount of work you should be doing to be an ally. But also don't put yourself down either. It's not an overnight success. And again, be the tortoise. Be the tortoise that is there and going to continue this movement by speaking up in the workplace when you hear something inappropriate or racist. Speaking up for your allies. Educating yourself by talking to HR, asking those questions, educating yourself on your company's policies, and learning more about how you can make a difference, what's missing in your HR department. And just make sure you don't lose your energy so we can keep fighting this fight. Again, that is my take on being an ally in the workplace, but of course, Again, not not a black person, I'm straight, I am white, and even though I am female, I am not the best person to be talking about this. So please go out and talk to your coworkers and your friends and your family, read materials, get some books, look at some TED Talks, listen to other podcasts of those minorities, and actually listen to their voices and their stories. To wrap us up, I want to give my shout out for the week. My shout out is to Alex L. And her last name is spelled E-L-L-E. 
Her Instagram is at Alex underscore L. She is a self-care advocate as community care. She is an amazing black woman who is a fantastic voice of representation for the black community. And she promotes self-care for everyone, but she really is this amazing voice of representation for the black community. So I highly recommend checking her out on Instagram. Again, it's at Alex underscore L. She just released a book that I had pre-ordered and got in the mail. It's called After the Rain. It's uh, It came out on October 13th, so you can grab a copy. And it is just, it's absolutely fantastic. If you need a lift in your day, if you need some self-care on Instagram daily, if you need a book that is just going to lift your spirits, and especially if you need some positive representation, she is an amazing, amazing person to go check out and read her book, follow her Instagram. I am grounded and amazed by her words every single day. And she does post something every single day. So again, it's Alex L. And her new book is After the Rain. And with that, thank you all for listening. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep being an ally and fighting for equality and justice. Keep listening. Keep educating yourself. And as always, leave your mark. Talk to you next week.